the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. little show update for you people. It turns out we're only going to be on terrestrial radio for this first hour. Then subsidized students who may in fact be enhanced by chemicals or not will be playing each other in sports dressed in costumes as if they were actually from the area where the schools are located. Uh, it interests some people, not me. I was not privy to those negotiations. However, we will be available on 560 uh TheAnswer.com. You can also find us on YouTube, and we're on, I believe, The Face of Book uh, for some people who still use it. I don't, but the show does, and it's there. So take a look. After uh, 5 o'clock, we will only be on those streaming sites. So I was going to start. We all uh, saw Joe Biden. This is going to be more... I'm, I'm kind of deciding whether I think they're going to let us, because we are butting up against... Uh, Jesus's birthday known as Christmas and they may let us go to Christmas before the bad news comes down and then that week before Christmas and New Year's re-implement lockdowns as it, Europe is doing right now so that's really what the discussion is I see they have pickle face Fauci on the whole nine yards they got the CDC moron the hand puppet she's spewing the same nonsense and you're being attacked and you're a victim and everybody be afraid but there was something interesting as you know, I feel that this game that we have in America is a is a is a lie, is a propaganda fraud where you will have figured out a way to have one society constantly attack another section of society, one part of society constantly attacking the other side. And it is the way in which Marxism and communism has a foothold in this country. And as we have more and more politicians spewing this collectivist utopian dream of demonizing people who are good people, who go to work, who earn, who want to be left alone in the name of the collective. It's no shock when I hear the dimwit AOC utter stupidity. What makes the Senate fundamentally undemocratic is that it gives small groups of people the same amount of power as massive groups of people. Yeah, that's called a republic, you fracking moron. That's a republic. We're not a democracy, dimwit, but what the hell do you know? However, I'd like an old, an, uh, an old uh, what's that drink called? An old-fashioned. Make me an old-fashioned, easy on the sugar. That's what AOC knows. But the idea that she's a Congress birthing people, and she doesn't understand what a republic is, as she touts mobocracy, only shocks those people who do not understand that AOC is, in essence, a communist pretending to be a Marxist, disguising herself as a Democrat. That's exactly what is happening here. So as you see the totalitarian takeover 
of the only country steeped in principles of liberty, freedom, and the individual. It's nauseating to me. They have their apparatchiks in the so-called media. Their apparatchiks are what bothers me. Because these are people who are in front presenting themselves as media. And what, in essence, they are doing is destroying this country. They absolutely are. Now, I have to confess, before a few months ago, I could give a rip who Joy Reid was. I don't watch her program. I don't watch her station. It is what I just described it to be, a propaganda network for the Marxist Party of America calling themselves Democrats. But Joy Reid took on somebody that she should have never even even mentioned, and that's Elon Musk. Now, I have disagreements with Elon Musk. I have disagreements with Tesla. I have disagreements with the government favoritism all eco-Nazi industry groups get because they are, they are incentivizing people to purchase items they maybe necessarily would not if it were not tax beneficial for them. But that is the way we've allowed our system that is supposed to be based in capitalism to be bastardized by politicians. Joy Reid wanted to step into an argument that Elon Musk is having with the biggest one of the biggest punchlines in the Senate, the fake Indian, Elizabeth Warren, who has high cheekbones and yet she still has a job, caught in an absolute bald-faced lie, but because Democrats have no standards and no shame, she will has a bright future in the Democrat mafia. So she is going after Elon Musk because he represents... Somebody who is a billionaire. He represents success. To a certain extent, he represents capitalism, even though you could argue that his company is both uh, capitalist on one side and socialist on another. Joy Reid wanted to step into this argument. and I, Now, it's not the obvious insult that I want to take issue with. It's the subliminal understanding of exactly what she's selling. Elon wasn't happy, so he did what he always did and stomped his little feet and insulted Senator Warren, calling her an angry mom and referring to her as Senator Karen. So for so many reasons, being a freeloader and a selfish and disrespectful one and for misappropriating. That's it. Being a freeloader. Now, there's a couple of points I want to have. Elon Musk last month paid $10 billion to the federal government in an extortion fee. Some refer to as a tax. $10 billion, even though he is in their favored section of of, of the economy. He makes the bulk of his money on Tesla selling electric vehicles. Not only that, the bulk of what he did, although he was subsidized by tax incentives from the government, he did on his own. He did far better on his own with electric vehicles than any of the, the pretend companies that we have in this country, like GM which is a quasi-government company, or Ford, which is another quasi-government company. They are just, they, they exist, they're underwritten by the people as a vestibule of corruption to organized labor mafias called unions. That's why they are still in business. They should have went by the wayside when they failed the first time. That's how it's supposed to work. But Elon Musk paid $10 billion. And I'm, I'm wondering why in this country we do not have, this is a provocative idea, I think individuals should have a cap on the amount of money they pay to the government. (gasps) Isn't that crazy? I think it's crazy. After all, what Elon Musk has done is not only build a company that employs tens of thousands of people, tens of thousands of people, and provide a, a, a product that hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, have purchased, and they all pay taxes. All of those people, the consumers, 
the people he employs. Everything that he did generates a revenue win for the government. And he paid $10 billion on top of it. Not only that, his stock that he offered made people and pension funds, retirement funds, 401k, made them millions and millions and millions of dollars because his company is worth $1 trillion. What Elon Musk has done for society, that one man, 50 million Joy Reeds and 100 million Elizabeth Warrens could never have done for society. That one man did more for society than any political whore or pimp, even though he rubbed elbows with them and even though he benefited from That one man did more for society than 100 million Democrats could do. That's just the fact. But that's not the way that story is spun. He is spun as a freeloader, and he should be thankful to the senators who made sure that those tax credits were given. Now, he probably did make sure. In fact, something tells me Tesla lobbyists gave a lot of money to Democrats over the years. See, this is the part that I want you to understand. The government pretends to have favoritism until those people who operate those quasi-businesses think for themselves. Then they let you know who, who the boss is. That's why I tell you on every aspect, we do not have a government in this country. We have an organized mafia. They think like the mafia. They extort like the mafia. They intimidate. They coerce. They warn you like the mafia. They insult you like the mafia. But you've got to follow what's going on. If the counts keep going up and the, and the test positivity keeps going up, we may need to be more restrictive. But for right now... See, that right there makes me want to ear-slap this pickle-faced old hag until he can't taste his food anymore. You don't get to ever threaten me or the American people, ever. And I don't care what the count is. I don't care who bribed you. I don't care what your intent is. None of it. You don't get to intimidate me. And don't you ever threaten me or my kids again. Ever. Let alone the business people out there. If the count gets high, what? What are you going to do? Are you going to lock it down again? You should have never been able to do it the first time. And this was what I warned of when we had the only man in office who could have stood up to it. Now, he didn't. And we're paying the cost for it. And what this is all about is you're going to have to wait and hope that the will of these 80-year-old demigods, these frauds among men, these want-to-be eldoches, don't shut down your life again. But you've got to follow what's going on. If the counts keep going up and the, and the test positivity keeps going up, we may need to be more restrictive. But for right now, people who are vaccinated and boosted should feel reasonably comfortable. The risk is never... You should feel like a pigeon. And I say this with loved ones. That under different reasoning, I understand why people had to do it, forced to do it, whatever. But this is floundering. There is no different. None. It didn't work. It's an experiment gone wrong. And instead of admitting and looking for some things that were working... That granted, the government didn't have a chokehold on because the medicines have been here for decades. Decades. Hydroxychloroquine, remdesivir, all, all the rest of it. You all know it. But instead of turning those traces over to, your, to you the way it should be, they're looking to threaten you again. I don't think it's about the virus. I think it's about the corruption. I think it's about the failure. I think it's about the money. Look at what's happened in the time that I've been here, which is a little under three years. Look at the larger context. We were $18 trillion in debt 
when I got here were now nearly 30 trillion. With the American Family Rescue Plan, sounds great. Uh, Build Back Better, sounds great. We're on a sugar high of government spending. And And if they get to shut us down again, they'll quadruple the spending. 312-642-5600. We'll be right back. Bonnie's got to be on the board. Really? You were JT? You were probably conceived of the song. Um, I will tell you right now, I got a, I got a text from a listener. I'm not, I'm, he was conceived after the song. I'm not going to embarrass him by mentioning the scruel. I'll be watching my blank blank in their bowl game. You know, I'm going to tell you something. As I watch the news and you watch what happens in these schools, they're subsidized students that 99% of them couldn't get in the school and definitely can't pass the school, yet because they could catch the ball or throw the ball or rebound, they skate through it. And the cost that it, it costs them, that's not paid by the alum. It's paid by the other kids. It drove up the, the costs of college education massively in this fraud of a system where we pretend that these alum and these schools, like these kids go to the school because they, uh, they wanted to go there and they tested there and they, it was their dream to go there. They're sports mercenaries. And then you find out how many of these colleges have links that go back to enemies of this country, whether it be China or any other communist hellhole where slave labor makes their shoes. And then you look at the NFL and you look at the NBA and you look at all of it. You want to know the problem with this country? Grown men, grown men, knowing more about strangers and their stats and sport teams than they do the policies that are destroying the country. I think it's preposterous that men watch sports. Honestly, it's moronic. And the nice thing I like about it is they used to go to their neighborhood bookmaker and put the money on. Now the government's in on that scam. So their plan came full circle. Now they've overthrown the only country built in freedom. And now they got your money for being a degenerate at the back end. I love it. Perfect. Go ahead. Go watch your, your, your team. One of these kids doesn't know. They didn't know where the school was before they signed their contract, where they went to school for free, and God knows what else they got. All right. That's enough of my sports, anti-sports position. Paul, Northwest Indiana. Hey, good afternoon, Sean. Um, so funny that... I heard uh, your mayor talk about the uh, uh, not wanting sugary drinks for kids because of the obesity problem. I guess they can't outrun the bullets. But in the same breath, she said, but it's the parent's choice. But she won't say that for the vaccine, not the parent's choice. It's just, I, I cannot, I, does, she under, does she hear the words that are coming out of her mouth? She hears the innuendo. I think she hears the innuendo of control. She likes the idea that she can position herself on one side as if she cares about the health of these children, while on the other side, making an or performing an action that is in direct conflict of the health of the children. I am telling you, you saw it yesterday, as they said, "Don't use the JJ. Use the other two. A year after they were pumping the JJ in everybody's arm. Five years from now, Paul. When the ramifications and the consequences of whatever this is, right. they're pumping into people, there's not going to be enough backtracking they can do. The damage will be done. And by the way, it'll be done to hundreds of millions of people, if not billions, around the world. It's truly right. a right. tragedy. It goes to show you, no, though. Well, you're good. 
They'll lie to you about anything. They'll lie to you about anything. Well, you're going to be sitting home at night, and you're going to see these commercials going, was your family injected with uh, yeah. with um, Johnson? Yeah. yeah. Call us, 1-800-SCREW-THEM, and yeah. we'll get you the money you you need. Oh, Paul, yeah. if only it was that I, simple. And, thank you. Thanks to the, and, and in this, you could thank the Trump administration. He made it so they're held harmless. You're not even going to be able to sue them. Oh, no, no. This was nothing but a win-win chicken dinner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner for the for the pharmaceutical, big pharma. Craig, Mount Greenwood. Hey, Sean. Thank you much for taking my call. I didn't realize it, but I heard you say something, and now I know that we're a kindred spirit on the sports stuff. I never watch sports. I never have. Never. It's, never. it's preposterous. It's preposterous. I remember in the, in this, in the 80s. They would interview the student. The student couldn't get out of a room without an exit sign. You're going to tell me this guy went to Notre Dame? Get the hell out of here. They sold the, 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 the principles of college down the river for, for football and basketball and everything else. In the meantime, massively drove up the cost for the kid that really wanted to go to school. And now you're in this pickle and I still got grown men. I'm going to watch him in the bowl game. Yeah, you go ahead, dummy. And you're part of the problem. I've never had time to watch it, and I have less time now. But, hey, what I wanted to call you about was you said something real disturbing earlier about uh, they're probably going to uh, shut us down again there. What happened with the courts uh, when they shut down uh, OSHA and Biden and told them, hey, knock it off, you can't do it? Why is it that these companies, well, how is it that they can go back and do it when the courts have said you can't do it? Here's another benefit to having COVID shut down. Whatever happened to Ed Burke and Mike Madigan's cases? Whatever happened to them? Absolutely not. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if that fat slob Ed Burke with his gold Rolex and his Viagra in his pocket wasn't at the Viagra Triangle on Rush Street with a a $300 an hour hooker like the old times. Thank you, Craig. I appreciate it very much. Owen and Willowbrook. Hey, Sean. One of the best lines in the movie talking about sports was the Bronx Tale where the character Sonny goes to Colangelo. What did Mickey Mantle ever do for you? And you know what? That's how I feel about sports. I used to be one of those guys in the 80s that loved it. I I planned my Sundays around it. And you know what? I feel guilty because, you know, know, I was more worried about watching a Bears game on a Sunday than than taking care of my family and everything. And I'll tell you what, it's the biggest waste of time. And all they do in those sports is insult the fans that go see them. They keep throwing their money at him. I can't right. understand it. My favorite would be if we went to if we if it was on television, nobody watched it and nobody was in the stadium. That would be the I'd, perfect I'd game for me. Thank you. Me too. I'd Owen. Love- I'm sorry, I gotta go to break. 312-642-5600. All right, so Paul has an excellent question. Paul, Geneva. Hey, Sean, how you doing? Love the show. Thank Hate you, commies. But, uh, you know, I just I know your view on the sports thing has to be more nuanced than what you're putting out there. Of course. So, yeah. Just have a question. You know, got a son, plays football. Only way to watch you know, it. Entertaining to watch it, right? But and it is a bigger, bigger question. I view sports as an entertainment, right? It, it is, to me, and, and I got to say this, I don't watch any more professional sports, gave that stuff up, but... I don't necessarily think it makes somebody less of a man because they want to participate in some type of entertainment activity. So whether it's a movie or sports or whatnot, if you're, you know, encapsulating it into that. The problem is the entities that control, that have a monopoly on it. 
That's the problem. And I completely right? agree with that. Completely so, agree with that. To me, when your kids are playing sports, that's the only time you should watch it, in my opinion. In my opinion. But this professional thing, like for instance, this is just the newest atrocity of the NFL. The NFL now is is spewing the Chinese Communist Party propaganda because they have gotten the t- television rights into China. So they are now they as of yesterday released a map that shows Taiwan as part of China. I mean that's this is just one aspect that's in military news you can find that article. And that's just one aspect of it. So my po- my problem is this. These entities Number one, have, have a different set of, of, of rules they play by. They have a monopoly on the sport itself. And then they have a monopoly on the television rights. And they have built this cartel. And to me, it's, yeah. it's, it, it, it's an absolute sham. And then here's the other thing. When you're taking kids that don't deserve to be in a school, you're putting them in a school for free, and you're jacking up the costs on all of those other kids that genuinely want to be in that school, not because of sports, but because of the education and because of what they want to do with their life. That I have a major problem with. So, totally agree. Uh, yep, yep. I just, I just uh, wanted to understand, it's not actually the sport, sports themselves that you have an issue with. It's the institutions that have sort of co-opted I, maybe I play, what should correct. have been a pure, you know, enjoyable and, cool. uh, and beneficial thing for us. Absolutely, and you incentivize, you incentivize deception, both with the academic achievements of these kids that are going through college that shouldn't necessarily be at these particular colleges. You've, you've in, a, in essence, carved out a lane of corruption. And all the other kids, it's like anywhere in society, wherever you carve out that lane of corruption, it's everybody else that pays the costs and bears the burden. And that's the part I have a problem with. So as you're going to watch the bowl games, how many of the kids should be playing for those actual schools, number one? Then number two is, what about drugs in sports? Does that bother anybody? Does that bother anybody? Because, l- listen, it was very evident in the 80s. Guys were juicing up, man. They turned the blind eye. M- remember Lyle Alzado when he came back at 40 because he, he was literally on gorilla steroids? Do you remember that? I, it was going around my high school in the 80s. I was working out a lot in the 80s, and I had people offer that stuff to me in the gym. Me too. In me high too. School. Me too. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, now here's the, the other side of the coin. So what if they take enhance, enhancement sports? Does it make anybody any, you know, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem, it, the whole thing seems very fake to me. Very fake, very rigged. And then there's the other aspect of the money that's wagered on gambling and the destruction it does to society. And it explains why governments are in on it. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a complex issue, but here's, the, here's ultimately, if it had not been this runaway, this runaway cartel, would society be better? And my answer is yes. I think what Thanks, what what hurts society is that we we are distracted by this nonsense. Thank you, Paul. I love it. And see, this is what we do on this show. We, it's it's fun to explore this kind of stuff. I think it is. I think that you can look at a direct correlation between money in in both sports, and you can look at at the cost of of subsidizing students for athletics and the cost of tuition to the other kids, and say, look, something's got to change. Something's got to change, but it's not going to change because people want to be distracted. People want to not realize exactly what we've done to this country, and that I understand. I really do, because if you were to really look at, at, at the cancer in this country of the Democrat mafia, of collectivism, of corruption, and listen to the innuendo by these, by these failures and these frauds of what they guarantee for your future, it's a lot. It's a lot to, 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 to take in, and it's a lot to be upset about. When you hear that we have a congressperson, one of the most popular people in Congress, who not only is, is, a, is a Marxist, whether she's aware of it or not, 
But we've got a person making law that doesn't understand the principle of this country. Not at all. Makes the Senate fundamentally undemocratic is that it gives small groups of people the same amount of power as massive groups of people. And that is not democratic at all. You literally you literally have a, have a lawmaker, a congresswoman that does not understand what a republic is. She doesn't think we should be a republic. She's a congresswoman. Is it any shock we're in this pickle? I think one of the things that has been almost like difficult for me personally in working in Congress is. What's with the Valley Girl singing? Say what you have to say, dimwit. No humming. You don't have to hum. How different the you know not only the rest of the country is because that diversity is great it's not that it's different but it's how accepting of racism a lot of other communities are that's all they got she cannot give you specifics she is not intelligent enough to understand She doesn't understand we are not a society of collectives. We are a society of individuals, which is why she has these policies, which is why she advocates for government-sponsored racism. See, now they're going to correct everything. Only this time they're going to do it by being racist against what they think is the majority. You see the nonsense that we're going to have to put up with with these idiots? And then there's good old diapers. But all kidding aside, of course, President Harris... Is a proud Howard alum. She's not the president yet. Although, although we'd be better off if she was. And I know that's controversial, but just think about it. Willie Brown found some talent in Kamala Harris. Willie Brown saw that talent so exquisite that he wanted to promote her and promote her and promote her. Maybe, maybe. If we got her in some foreign talks with Rutan Putin, maybe with Xi Jinping, maybe at the same time. Maybe. After 45 minutes of hard deliberation. We could come to terms with our adversaries and a little Kamala Harris. 312-642-5600. Oh, yeah. That's how you get fans. You take the absolute opposite position of the nation's traditions and bash it. But that's all right. Because I really do feel that way. I I remember when, when Kaepernick started the whole kneeling down thing. And I remember that thinking to myself, I, I, I kind of was shocked by it all. Anybody that should be patriotic, it's these spoiled brats. Spoiled brats who play and are worth tens, hundreds of millions. They're selling cars. And I'm thinking to myself, that couldn't happen anywhere else, and they're not patriotic. And then I looked over at the girlfriend. I said, oh, I know what that is. There's a, there was a name for that in my neighborhood. Whipped was the kind way to call it. You get that son of a gun to say anything, right? Just a little lap dance. Bill Warrenville. Yes, they. I think they've forgotten. All these uh, men have forgotten all of the uh, protests of the national anthem because they no longer even put it on TV anymore. So they can give the talking heads to tell you what they expect to see in the game and sell you another beer commercial. Yeah. Plus, I don't think I don't think that I, I used to watch sports in the seventies with my family. Remember Jack Lambert? Well, what did Jack Lambert weigh? Was he 195 pounds? Remember? This is before the steroids hit. The guys seemed to be better. I mean, they weren't as fast. They weren't as big. They couldn't bench press a Buick. But uh, it was a lot less 
corrupt. It was a lot less, I don't know, it just felt more real to me back in the 70s. Now I'm going to listen to a bunch of spoiled brat millionaires tell me how to think about my country and tell me how to act. And then there's LeBron James. You know my greatest, one of the things I'm most proud about when it comes to sports topics? I have never once seen LeBron James do anything. Never. I've never watched him shoot the ball, nothing. I'm very proud of that, Bill. But uh, well, well, I don't watch football or or uh, basketball. Basketball is for the numerically impaired. You're down ten points with two minutes left in the game, and you think you're going to win by fouling the other time team three times in a row and making three point <laughs> shots in the last two and a half seconds. If you were that good, you wouldn't be down by ten points. Yeah, I like it, Bill. I I, I got to tell you though. I and plus the other thing with basketball, I was lucky enough in the 90s, to um, see Michael Jordan live. And uh, there's no need to watch basketball after you've seen that. The guy's the best there ever was. Loved it, loved that. So there was, you know, there was a time I enjoyed it. I don't enjoy it now because it became political. And not only did it become political, in my opinion, it became anti-American. It became anti-patriotic. I got a bunch of multi, multi, multi-millionaires spewing and, and not just collectivism, but cozying up to Chinese communists. Game over. <laughs> Double entendre. Game over. I don't watch it. But here's the problem. Uh, it's going to be preempting me off the air. So you're going to have to go to YouTube. You can go to the Sean Thompson Show Facebook, Bunny. The Facebook. Uh, you can, the Facebook. And AM560, The Answer, where we will be streaming. I have guests. It's still going to be a regular show. And uh, you never know, Uncle Ralphie may call and swear. I mean, anything's possible on the stream. So you got a lot to look forward to. Um, how much time do I have, Bunny? All right. In the meantime, do I want to start? Well, we might as well start. Get it all over. In the meantime, we're gonna. I want to. I want to talk a little bit about what's been going on in Chicago. Is the work. Allen and Cheryl. Allen and Cheryl. Police say that crime wave is the work of a single rotating team of thieves who are armed, coordinated and targeting pedestrians. Late tonight, a show of neighborhood solidarity. Lincoln Park residents galvanized and determined. We want to send the message that crime is not tolerated in our community. I like that. I like the solidarity. I like the idea that the neighborhood is going to come together and patrol their neighborhood. That's what has to happen. I only got 10 seconds. Ah, that music. All right, if you want to participate, listen to the show, go to the stream, go to YouTube, go to the Facebook if you still do it. And uh, if not, I guess enjoy grown men in costume. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. I have to tell you, I have been looking forward to this interview. I am a fan of Steve Mosher. He's not only an author, he's a social scientist. Um, His latest book is Bully Asia. Steve, I want to thank you so much for joining me. And I think I got the title of your book wrong. I'm sorry. It's actually, no, no, it is Bully of Asia. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, good to be here, Sean. So we are in this, um, I think you could call it a Cold War with China. Could you not? 
Well, I think if you listen to China, we're certainly in a Cold War. And I'm not making this up. Back in 1991, when the Soviet Union collapsed, uh, Deng Xiaoping, who was then China's senior leader, called together the other senior leaders and said, the old Cold War is over, Deng said. The new Cold War between China and the United States is now beginning, and we're going to win this one. So China has been in a Cold War with us for 30 years. Uh, wake up and smell the coffee, Americans. Now, when I go back throughout history, I've been, I've been a fan of politics for many, many years. I'm in my mid-50s. But I remember the Nixon administration. I remember Kissinger. I remember the idea that the greatest way to destroy the Chinese communists was to implement and, in, and invite them and, and introduce them to some form of capitalism in the hopes that the people would be inspired enough to want to be free. I thought it was... At the time, I was a kid, but I remember listening to the adults talk. I thought it was an opportunity to maybe destroy the Chinese Communist Party. It looks like all we've done is enrich them. Where did it go wrong? Yeah, well, I shared that view uh, up until the Tiananmen Massacre on June 4th, 1989. I was hopeful that America, you know, uh, one million American capitalists wearing business suits and carrying briefcases, would go to China, uh, would not only teach China about the free market, but they would bring with them ideas about democracy, human rights, the free market, and so forth. And in fact, those ideas were becoming dominant in the late 1980s. That's why you had a million people in the main square of the capital city of China, Beijing, China, Tiananmen Square, demonstrating that kids were holding signs with quotes from Lincoln and Jefferson and Washington. And then what did the old leader of China do, Deng Xiaoping? He brought in the troops and the tanks, and he mowed down these unarmed students uh, in the streets of the capital city. He ran over them with tanks, crushing them. Uh, and, and that was the end of the democracy movement in China. And the Chinese Communist Party learned its lesson, Sean. It learned its lesson. It put in place a patriotic education program. It demanded allegiance to the Chinese Communist Party from everyone. There's sort of cradle-to-grave now uh, propaganda um, education in nationalism and xenophobia in allegiance to the Chinese Communist Party. They're determined that nothing like the Tiananmen Massacre and Tiananmen demonstrations will ever happen again. They're determined that America's influence will be wiped out. Uh, They say that civil society, uh, human rights, all those notions that come from the West are threats to the Chinese Communist Party. This is in a party document. And uh, they are determined to fight those to the death. So they saw the threat. They met it with deadly force. And here we are 30 years later. We've created uh, the greatest threat to the United States of America that the world has ever seen. There's so many interesting things that I want to I take that last sentence in. But I want to f- talk about something I don't think Americans have an understanding about. We had a real opportunity with Hong Kong. Hong Kong was a bastion mm-hmm. of freedom. Hong Kong was the wedge that could have broken apart the the mainland China. Why do you think the ignorance, and I blame this on the Trump administration, is there among Americans not to understand the opportunity that we let slip through our fingers by not strengthening people who depended on us for 50 years to stick up for them? as they implemented our types of ideology and freedom and citizen rights and the capitalism and the rest of it, how come no one came to Hong Kong's aid? 
Yeah, how come no one came to Hong Kong? Hey, how come China is now free to bully its neighbors without much uh, standing in its way? Uh, I lived in Hong Kong in the a long time ago. I studied uh, Chinese at the Chinese University of Hong Kong there. I speak Cantonese and Mandarin. Cantonese is the language of Hong Kong. As you know, I did my research in the southern province of Guangdong many years ago. I was the first American social scientist allowed into the country. I lived and worked among the people there uh, for over a year in Asia for more than 10 years. And, yeah, it's broken my heart over what's happened in Hong Kong. The agreement, of course, with the Chinese Communist Party was that Hong Kong would be allowed to keep a local government, local local sovereignty, a free market, for 50 years after the turnover in 1997 from Great Britain to the Communist Party. Uh, China tore up that agreement in 2017. And we should have come down on them right then, Sean, like a ton of bricks. We should have said... Your entire relationship with the United States rides on your abiding by that agreement you signed, not just with Great Britain, but that promise you made to the people of Hong Kong. And if you violate it, uh, then we're going to decouple now. Uh, We didn't do that. We gradually ramped up the pressure. But uh, I'll tell you what, we are still enabling China's takeover of Hong Kong right now because we should do away with the Hong Kong dollar. No country in the world has two currencies. Why does China have two currencies? able to use one against the other, able to trade the Hong Kong dollar freely on the world market. There are economic uh, things that we could do to rein China in. We're not doing them right now. You've got people in Hong Kong, uh, police in Hong Kong, now walking around with submachine guns strapped around their shoulders. Uh, this is, this why? is because disgraceful. There's an, election coming up. there's an election coming up, and if you don't vote in the election, uh, that's unpatriotic and you can get in trouble. You can't cast a blank ballot. You must go and vote. You must do what? You must vote for the candidates of the Chinese Communist Party. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a disgrace. Steve, I've lost listeners. I've lost, you know, acquaintances, all because I spoke up for what I thought was the most important aspect to our relationship with China. And I directly blame Peter Navarro, who has a very, very anti-Asian slant to his economics. He was the, the concierge for lack of a better term, to Donald Trump. And this was a missed opportunity that I don't think people understand the ramifications, as we will, in my opinion, continue to allow China to advance and engulf Taiwan as well. Do you think that I'm wrong? Well, I hope that Taiwan doesn't fall. I lived in Taiwan again for several years. I have many, many friends there. Uh, In fact, I have a son and two grandchildren there right now. Um, And so uh, we need to arm Taiwan to the teeth. Taiwan is ready to buy U.S. weapons. Uh, It needs to become a porcupine. It needs to be so, so prickly uh, that if China were to try to send an invasion fleet across the 100-mile-wide Taiwan Straits, which I have sailed through as a naval officer several times, if they tried to send an invasion fleet, it should should wind up on the bottom of the ocean of the Taiwan Straits. Uh, we can arm Taiwan. They can defend themselves. They're a fully functioning democracy that respects human rights. Uh, I think we made a big mistake years ago, and this goes back to Nixon. You mentioned Nixon and Kissinger. Uh, mm-hmm. We should have kept Taiwan in the United Nations. Uh, we should still have diplomatic relations with Taiwan and Beijing. And if Beijing didn't like it, uh, uh, you know, too bad. Uh, instead, instead, we allowed Taiwan to become a pariah which made it vulnerable to pressure from China. But thank goodness, you know, the polls in Taiwan show that, that 80% of the people of Taiwan say that if an invasion occurred, they would take up arms against the communist invaders. So they will fight for their freedom. We just need to give them the means to do that. That's wonderful. I am very interested in what you do, 
and the area you do it. Social science, the study of societies and individuals in that society. For the most part, um, what you've seen abroad, are you seeing the, the Pavlov dog willful mindset of a slave adopted here in this country to a level that not only mirrors societies that have collapsed in the past, but makes you nervous of America's future? Well, I'm certainly nervous about America's future. Uh, two years into a pandemic that was caused by a bioweapons research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology in Wuhan, China, and then deliberately released upon the world. And our reaction, our reaction, uh, which was typified by President Biden yesterday when he was asked about the hundreds of thousands of dead Americans that shouldn't China pay a price, he just grinned and turned away. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't understand that behavior. We're blaming people in the United States uh, for a problem that originated in China. We need to put the responsibility where it properly lies. China needs to pay reparations uh, for the loss of life, for the economic damage that it has caused. And I will say this, that if we do not decouple and if we do not make China pay reparations, they will do it again because they've gotten away cost-free with unleashing a bioweapon on the world. And I'm afraid there are more uh, waiting in the lab for us down the road. From the information that's been leaked from emails, from the obvious collaboration with high high members in our government, Fauci not, you know, not the only one, but one of the principals in the funding of these these experiments in the funding of these labs. Do you think they acted alone? Do I think the Chinese Communist Party acted alone in in uh, setting up a bioweapons program? Yes. No, yep. we taught them. We taught them the technology. It's called reverse genetics, too, uh, how they inserted the fur and cleavage site, the, this little insertion that makes the China virus, uh, the coronavirus, more infectious and, uh, and helps it to spread. Uh, we taught them that technology. We gave them funding to do this great gain-of-function research to make the deadly virus more infectious. Uh, so we were there uh, in, the, in the person of Richard Ebright and other people who runs EcoHealth Alliance, uh, we were there for many, many years uh, teaching them how to do it. We gave them the knowledge, the skill. Uh, we helped to fund it. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing to me that the chief funder of this very dangerous gain-of-function research, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, still has a job in Washington, D.C. Uh, I, I don't understand how he can uh, uh, be part of a project that resulted in a a dangerous pathogen being created and then released by the Chinese Communist Party and not have to pay a personal price for that. As a social scientist, as you see in your country what's happening between the citizens of America, as you see the direct and complete opposite reactions to this very information, complete and opposite reactions, you see that states like Illinois, like New York, New Jersey, and California have these, have these fascistic tyrants that they call governors. You see that there's 17 to 21 other states that are suing the Biden administration. Is this society, this society in America that we know, is it in fact uh, on, the, on the trajectory to become two nations under one government, or are we have an opportunity to win back the America that you and I had the benefit of seeing when we were young? Well, I don't think that all is lost by any means. I'm, 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 I'm disheartened by the deep divisions in our society, which have quite frankly been caused for political gain. 
the left wants to divide us one against the other because they want to, uh, you know, the old Roman phrase was divide and conquer. That's exactly what's happening. And they will create a panic. They will create an epidemic. They will create the conditions under which they can divide Americans and turn part of us against the other. Uh, you know, I live in the free state of Florida. Me and, too. But I've been in Chicago many times and uh, like Chicago. I was just there a month ago. Uh, we had 500, 600 people signed up for an event that I was uh, to speak at. Uh, we were only allowed to let 100 in the room uh, because of the COVID restrictions. I guess we were lucky to get 100. The previous time I was there, we were only allowed 50. So, um, yeah, I know the restrictions that uh, you face up there, and I'm, I, I, I don't think they're justified uh, by the threat level that we now face. Um, but, yeah, th- there are two different Americas now, and... Uh, dividing rapidly into uh, a free America where we're free to go around without masks, without social distancing, not washing our hands and being careful if we get a cold, not to spread it to others, to be sure, but not changing our entire life, living uh, in, in, uh, in lockdown, in confinement here, uh, the way that people in some states are still facing. Are you shocked to see an American government, even though it has a political party that is supposed to be opposed to the kind of collectivism, the kind of abuse of law that we are living through under a Democrat regime. Are you um, shocked at the uh, lack of the ability of this party to use fact of the state like Florida and the reality of what they're living through, the state like Texas, the states like Dakotas, and and the fact that they didn't take these measures, and their their count and the rest of it is all better compared to yep. the states that took the heaviest hand. Why is it that these people who are supposed to be in government have, are having a hard time recognizing fact of our reality? Because I don't think I don't think they're following the science at all. I mean, that's the mantra we hear: follow the science, follow the science. But my goodness, if you follow the science, you'd be looking to India and uh, and Central Africa, uh, where they take uh, things like, I don't know, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, they have very low rates of COVID. Uh, you'd be looking to the facts of South Africa, where the Omicron variant originated. Uh, they've got lots and lots of cases of Omicron, uh, more than half of which aren't even reported to the doctor because they're mild. They have very few hospitalizations and no deaths. And yet we're being told here that this is... Uh, Hey, this is a winter that many of us may get sick and die. Uh, because of what? Because of this variant from South Africa. So the evidence, the clear evidence is being ignored that this virus is behaving like every other virus in history. It's becoming less deadly over time. That's what happened to the Spanish flu back in 1918, 1919. It killed a lot of people. And then it mutated into less deadly forms. That's what viruses do in order to survive. And so when you have, uh, you know, the Spanish flu mutating into the Asian flu in 1958 or the Hong Kong flu in 1968, uh, most of the pandemics, epidemics in the United States in, in, in the last 70 years have been the descendants of the Spanish flu that is the mother of all epidemics in the United States, except for COVID, of course. Uh, people don't know that because they're not told. They're not told about natural immunity. So the signs are being ignored. In favor of what? In favor of playing politics and and helping one's donors. And uh, you have to believe there's a lot of money being thrown around by Big Pharma and the other people who are profiting from the lockdowns. And uh, it's it's not in the interest of the American people for this to continue much longer. Stephen, by my count, you've written about 17 books, give or take. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's right. The the vast majority of your books 
have to do with communist Asia, different areas, population control. Now that you are, are witnessing the American government spew such similar propaganda, are you taken aback by the general public's willingness to be told, do not believe your lying eyes and listen to our interpretation of reality in the same way that the Chinese communists do it and all through these Asian uh, totalitarian nations? Yeah, it really is disconcerting because the idea we talked about a few minutes ago was that uh, that we would, we would uh, aid China's rise, we would help create a middle class in China, which would then turn around and demand uh, respect for human rights and, and more freedom. Uh, that we would transfer technology to China, we'd help to, to pull them out of the rice paddies and 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 help them create a, a, a first world economy. And and as a result, they would become more like us. In fact, we have become more like them. And you yes. see, over the last two years, how more than half the American public is ready to go along with these new dictatorial policies. And what what frightens me, Sean, is that that we've always had. Um, institutions on both sides of, of every political question. We've had part of the media on one side, part of the media on the other side. We have two political parties, of course, still, uh, at least in theory. Uh, and, and we would have part of the, uh, the international companies might be on the, the, the side of globalism, but the companies that built things and sold in the United States would be standing up for America. That seems to have gone by the wayside. We see almost all the major institutions in this country on one side of the equation, uh, leaving the middle class and the working class exposed and vulnerable on the other. And I believe that freedom lives in the spaces between those institutions. And if those institutions, high tech, you know, the masters of Silicon mm-hmm. Valley, mm-hmm. Uh, the major media, uh, all align against us, then, yeah, freedom freedom is in danger in this country. And I think we have one or at most two elections uh, to turn this thing around. Stephen, I cannot thank you enough for not just coming on the show, but your books, the work you do for the unborn. Your life is a monument to a quality that uh, most people can only aspire to. Thank you so much, Stephen Mosher, for coming on. I look forward to your next book. And when you do release it, please come back. I'd like to talk about it, okay? I'd be happy to, Sean. Great great show. Thank you so much. We'll be back with your calls and comments after this. Preempted by kids in costume. I'm still chapped. Can't believe they did that to me. 312-642-5600. We're still going to take calls. We still have uh, the show as usual. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that interview. The biggest problem I have with the COVID reaction is how willing, how demanding the so-called society is for the rest of us to step and fetch to this obvious fraud in the vaccine, in the so-called fix, in the idea that these incompetent bastards have anything under control. They have nothing under control. Nothing. They're running around and they're trying to lie to you to buy time. What do you think these idiots have done for 50 years? What do you think Joe Biden really did every day for 50 years? You think he worked didn't work he called up and figured out how to prostitute power that's how he got his crackhead son on boards and investment groups and the rest of it these people didn't work Fauci never worked he had a phony baloney sit on his ass job he raked in checks front ran information and made millions in stock market that's all this imbecile did and now he's threatening look at what he did to us 
a year and a half. Now I've got to listen to how these people who think that they have the vaccine are so afraid of the unvaccinated. Just tells me you're a freaking liar. For unvaccinated, we are looking at a winter of severe illness and death for unvaccinated. We all die, Joe. We all die. Only some of us live. And I am never going to live by taking advice from a scum like you. You've been a fraud your entire miserable existence. And not only that, you're selling a lie and you're hiding the information and you're cooking the numbers just like you've always done. Because if the people had a real idea how much you screwed them over the last 50 years, let me tell you something, you'd have to hide in one of your multi-million dollar mansions, you corrupt fraud. Themselves, their families, and the hospitals, they'll soon overwhelm. But... There's good news. If you're vaccinated... I'll tell you what. I won't overwhelm a hospital. I'll tell you what. Our deal's off. You and I and the government, off. I want all the money I paid in taxes back. All my Social Security, I want it back. I don't. I won't go to your hospital. I won't take your payouts. I don't want anything to do with you, rat bastard. What do you think of that? Have your booster shot. You're protected from severe illness and death. Period. Number two, booster shots work. Three, boosters are free, safe. If this virus was so deadly, would your 80-year-old ass be walking around ruining things? Would Fauci's 80-year-old ass be walking around ruining things? Why don't you tell people the truth? It's got a 99.5% survival rate before you started pumping this experiment in everyone's arm. You don't know what the frick you're doing. You never did. You're nothing but a two-bit con man that people feel sorry for or can buy like a fruit salad and convenient about 60 million people have one have been boosted so go get your shot today go get whatever you do don't talk about those blood clots don't you talk about those heart problems those respiratory issues don't talk about the athletes in europe that have dropped dead and nobody knows why don't talk about the women that are having massive massive problems with female stuff and don't talk about the teenage women who have problems even walking and whatever you do don't talk about Bell's palsy. Although, when you look like most of your Democrat female apparatchiks, Bell's palsy isn't a big deal. I mean, after all, it might improve Jan Tchaikovsky. I'm just saying. 312-642-5600. Greg LaGrange, I'll get to you first. When I get back, I still have to take my breaks. It's all part of the deal. Oh, I love this song. Did you pick this, JT? I'll tell you what. This is pretty... You're, you're growing on me, you big dummy. Growing on me, I say. All right, let's go to the lines. This is an excellent point by Eduardo in Midway. Eduardo. Yeah, I was telling your uh, screener, I don't think these politicians realize how many people are going to be having mental disorders. I mean, even my uh, brother, who's an alcoholic, I think even is going to get worse. And people divorcing, people leaving their jobs, they're not going to realize it until the midterms. That's when they're really going to know. And, and, it, and this is why I wanted to avoid the shutdown. I'll tell you the truth, Eduardo. I didn't think they could. They had the, the ability to do it. I thought the American people would resist it because of all of these things. And then you realize how it spiked the massive addiction to antidepressants, the massive growth in fentanyl deaths, the massive growth in all kinds of... Because people are hopeless. This is why the Soviet Union, no matter what they didn't have, they always made sure the people had vodka. Because they needed an intoxicated society, a depressed society, in order to steal all of the people's money and the quality of their lives. And it's exactly what you're seeing 
in these Democrat mafia hellhole states. It's exactly what you're saying. They're going to shut it down again, even if Trump and DeSantis is uh, in office. It doesn't matter. They do their own rules. No, they, they will never shut down the states that are free, brother. Eduardo, this is what I wish I could convey to everybody. It is a different quality of life. I'm telling you, man. It really is. There are people that are fighting off. The last thing anybody in these states want to hear is there's a Democrat on the way there. They don't even like visitors that are Democrats. It is, it is the tale of two Americas. And it's a shame that so many people think that the rest of the country is run like Illinois, like New York, like California. It's not. It's not. They're fighting off this. So I, I you know, Eduardo, but it, it, it's a broader point of, of the mindset of a slave is a mindset without future. And that's why so many people walk around in that funk because they realize they have no future under this kind of totalitarian rule. It's a shame. Thank you, Eduardo. I appreciate the call. Thank you, John. Much. And by the way, if you're listening, you called. We're going to do Friday features with me, right, guys? We're still going to do that? All right. We're going to do that last half hour, and you could call again. That's the new rule. Greg and LaGrange, you get two calls, Greg. This is your first Hey, call. how are you doing? Thank good. you. How are you? How are you? Um, good. You know, I can't believe with this new variant that we know exactly what the data is coming from South Africa. And still, I don't know if you picked up on it as much as I have, because I've been looking at it online and stuff. The disparaging of the South African scientists is amazing. This this uh, lording over, we're better than you, we know better than you, we're not going to listen to you, your data is meaningless. It's unbelievable. Greg, you, when saw, you, look that, at, you saw that. You saw it originally. In the in in the nineties, when scientists spoke out against the predictions of calamity from the eco Nazis, this is what this government does. You can have your opinion as long as it's the government's. Otherwise, you're discounted, you're you're you're, you're slandered, and you're rejected, into, and you're deplatformed. That's the problem. We are literally. When I was talking to the to Stephen Mosher, this government runs like a Soviet propaganda. Intimidation, extortion, mafia. That's what we've become, brother. We're living in an idea where America is like it was when we were kids and we and we and our grandfathers, you're the king of your castle and you have rights, you're sovereign and all the rest of it. This is not our reality. And the shutdown a year and a half ago proves it beyond the shadow of a doubt. The idea that they could even do that to us. You know what gets me? What you know what gets me? is the fact that we've sacrificed our parents and our and our parents' generation. I know on the souls of my parents that they would sacrifice everything for us. And when I look at it today, it's almost as if the kids are sacrificing sacrificing for everybody else. The devastation of what we're doing to our youth is going to be incredible. Greg, you know why and- I work three jobs? Listen to me. I'm dead serious. I work three jobs. I don't even know half the time. I'll wake up tomorrow. I'll think I'll have to do the show at night. I work three jobs. I got two kids. I'm going to work my ass off so they don't have debt, college debt, and so that when they have no chance at earning a living under a government that has spent itself into oblivion and the taxes will have to be 70% again, 80%, 90%, that at least maybe, hopefully, they'll have something that, that I acquired, that I work for, that their kids and them can use. That's why I do it. I could have stopped. I didn't need this nonsense. I, I, I'm working. Listen, I get up at 630 in the morning. I showed nine properties today. Nine properties. I manage another 18. I mean, I'm working my ass off, brother. And it's not for me. 
It's because I understand what the what the what the ramifications of a government of failure, fraud, and corruption is. The future doesn't have one. They're going to have to raise all these massive taxes. They're going to have to put limitations and control. You're not going to have a future unless it's in one of their designated industries. This is why you fight off the corruption of politics, because it is why in this country they're the only ones to be restrained. Look at what the, the lead segment that I played. Maybe I didn't articulate it enough. But the idea that you could take $10 billion in one year from anybody, I don't give a frick what he did. How does one man have to pay $10 billion to the government that's going to squander the money? And this is why we're in this pickle, because the citizens have that mindset of a slave. Oh, you're going to let me keep 50% of my money? Okay, thank you. Thank you. And then I got to pay sales tax and then I got to pay property taxes. Then I got to buy your insurance that, that it's five times. Okay, what else do I got to do? I'm sick and tired of that. This government needs to be restrained. These son of a bitches don't get one more dollar, not one dollar. I wish that Elon Musk would have taken his entire company and ran to some tax free Gibraltar and stayed there. Thank you, Greg. Because the idea that we've bought this idea of a slave means they're the master, in case you're not paying attention. Kevin, Austin, Texas. Hey, Sean. Uh, I want to let you know I really like the uh, the guests you had on the top of the hour. Oh, thank you. As far you. as that, you've been, yeah, we've really been in, uh, or China's been a Cold War with us for the longest time. They're I mean, if you look how they infiltrate, and they're, oh, absolutely. They have a 50-year plan. They don't have a two-year plan. Um, and what they did with their Confucians, uh, the Confucius Institutes, and going in and trying to, uh, you know, influence local electors. Look at what's his name with Fang Fang. Uh, swallow and so they've been fighting us the whole time so Look i think what he happened when, he's on the intelligence committee diane feinstein exactly. show for 20 something years a chinese spy right. look at mitch mcconnell's wife now take a look at that flaccid old lady face piece of garbage do you think any woman any woman ever looked at mitch and said boy that guy makes me hot if he wasn't so, a senator you think he'd be married to that chinese uh, a shipping heiress i don't think so well, it demonstrates the point that they've been at war with us the whole time. And then one of their first shots, their their first shot, or one of the biggest shots, was when they sent the virus over. They allowed that to happen. And I think, I know you kind of slammed Peter Navarro, but I think they made decisions what they could in a fog of war. I think you should take a look Peter, at his Peter book. Nav- uh, Peter Navarro time. took his hatred for communism, which I share. And he translated right. that into all people of that ethnicity, and he's wrong. Because if he's ever met well, I think it, well, a Chinese national well, from Hong Kong, a capitalist, I got news for you. They'll make they'll, they'll prove they got they well, got more in common with me than an American Democrat. Well, those are different. But my, my point is, it was the decisions were made in a fog of war. And yeah, we lost Hong Kong in the last you know uh, we didn't year. have to. We didn't have to. No, we didn't had have to happen. To. He should have taken troops, the point is, sent them there. That's what I would have done. And I'm but, not a, an interventionist. So, so I want to circle back to what I was talking about earlier, not to sound like Jam Psaki, uh, but, uh, you know, you have to get a low, you got to get involved locally to make sure that they're not being influenced by outside corporate interests on the local level. So. Oh, here you go again. You gotta, I'll tell you, you are yeah. a one-trick pony. You got me. I thought I, we were going to talk I, about I, China. I and then you bring, but, but, and the call is from Austin, and Texas. I bring you back in. <laughs> the call is from Austin, Texas. So go ahead. I love that. All right, I got time. Yeah, let me go one more time. It's my show. Jeff, St. Charles. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Hey, listen, uh, I, I relate uh, Nancy Pelosi and, and Biden, okay? Biden's uh, like Nagy, okay? 
He's a coach, and he's acting like him. And then Nancy Pelosi's the offensive coach, and she's acting like our offensive coach. But the whole general uh, the political scheme in Washington is like the Bears. It's like they're acting exactly like the Bears, all of them together. They're just a failed attempt to try and do something for us, and it didn't get to work. It didn't get to work. And I love it. And, I you know, going. I got news for you. When you said Nagy, I had to search my brain for a minute because I don't even pay attention, but I did know he is the coach of the Chicago Bears for now. So I did get that analogy. But, you know, you got to remember, I have a friend of mine. We were golfing one time. You'll like this story. And uh, Scotty Pippen was there. You know, and everyone's talking to him and yada, yada. And we're, we're sitting there. We're having lunch. And Scotty Pippen walks by. He's talking to another guy at my table. And my buddy goes to Scotty Pippen. And, what do you do? You had to see the look on Scottie Pippen's face. It was phenomenal. Uh, what do you do? That's doing? great. That's great. But <laughs> now, listen, I got to tell you first off, though, before I go, your happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry and I hope Christmas. to God that I hope to God I, I'm worried about next year, dude. I really am. I'm very worried about next year because for some reason everybody's still hanging on Trump and they can't get it to their stupid head. Trump is no longer. We need to start getting a, a decent politician. On the right to make a sense, but you know, you, you, I don't you, see it's it an coming. interesting point. What's Plan B? I like that. I like that. We're going to discuss that. I got all right, guys. Break. Bye, Jeff. Thanks for the call, Tom in Blue Island. You hang on. You know you're going to be first when I get back. But I have to go to break. It's all part of the same deal. We'll be back after this. Looney Tunes. All right, so it is hot in here. I opened the door. That was a mistake. It makes me feel like when I was a kid, though. I tell you what, those were the days, boy. Did you know you can't even run the Bugs Bunny cartoons? Did you know that? You cannot play the Bugs Bunny. Remember Bugs Bunny, how patriotic it was all around World War II? Yeah, they don't like that now. It's the new America. You got to hate it. Tom, Blue Island. Hey, Sean, how are you, sir? Got a couple couple things for you. Uh, Greg and LaGrange, that was a real prescient point he made about how his parents, as parents, you want to, you always want your kids to have better than you had. And now, this generation, this, you know, this aging baby boom generation and the professors that were part of that generation, they sucked off the greatest generation, the World War II generation, and now they're sucking their own kids down the drain. That's, well, that there's a there's a there's a very point. well there's always there's a very good reason for that. This is something that we have a hard time articulating. By we, I see people I say people who are not communists, not socialists, not collectivists. The only real greed in this country is the greed of the socialist. You can never quench their thirst. Look, you you're spending twenty eight thousand dollars a year to educate Chicago public school kids. When you see them, do they look like they're worth $28,000 a year? Do they look like the education they received was worth $28,000 a year? They, it's not enough for them. They want more, more, more. So they got to have daycare, health care. What do you mean you, health care? All the health care in the world could be free. It's never going to be enough. It's going to be more and more and more. It's the same thing. The only greed in this nation is not a man that wants to keep his own money. Greed is somebody who wants someone else's money for nothing. We've allowed that definition to be flip-flopped, and that's a major problem. That's why when I talk about Elon Musk, how dare one man give this government $10 million? This government doesn't deserve his $10 million. They're not worth it. There is no service they provide to him. 
that's worth it. This government takes all of our money, whether it's $10 billion or 10000 and they waste it. That's why they always need more. See, the right. greed exists in Washington, D.C. It exists in the ghettos. That's the greed. And you can't throw enough money down that hole. For you. Go ahead. I got a quick tip-in story for you, too. All right. Uh, out south here, there's a, it, the, the Forest Preserve golf courses are great because they'll kind of let you bring your own beer on, and they're, they're not really busting your chops if you're playing too slow or anything. Now, those aren't there's the Forest the Preserves. South- like where Pete Silvestri backs his car in. These are forest preserve courses. No, they're, the spe- okay. they're, the, they're specific forest preserve courses. Like right. the one out here is called Joe Lewis the Champ. There's one on Oak Forest called George Dunn. Anyway, uh, my brother Bill and I were there. This has got to be 15, 20 years ago. Well, yeah, maybe even longer because Pippen was still playing at the time. Well, the, the, there's never a lot of players on these courses. And Scotty Pippen was on the 10th tee, and my brother was paying for the greens fees. And I said, Billy, that's Scotty Pippen over there. He goes, no way. I go, Bill, there's no way in the world that anyone can be that tall and that ugly. There can't be two of them dudes out there. Yeah. And we drove over, and I asked him for his autograph, and he wouldn't give it to me. And my brother Bill said, Michael Jordan plays at Kemper Lakes, and Scotty Pippen plays at Joe Lewis the champ. That's why he's got the, the, the moniker, No Tippin' Pippin. Very cheap. Thank you very much, Tom, yeah. for the call. I appreciate right, but- it. Poor No Tippin' Pippin. Um, I wanted to play this inflation tape. I don't have a uh, – from Senator Jeffries. I don't have time. Do I, buddy? How long? How much time I got? I always like it when I talk and no one answers. But I want to tie together the idea that inflation is being ignored because it's the economic failure the Democrat Marxist mafia wants to capitalize on. But when I get back, I've got a guest for you, and I am looking forward to having this guest on. We will discuss the future of Illinois if a conservative were to take the governorship, which is a real reach. That'll be after the break. streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merck. He's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. It's tragic what's going on with this breaking news, the CDC on J&J vaccine. On NBC right now, right now there's a Dr. Torres on, and he says, oh, yeah, the J&J, it's, it's bad, particularly among middle-aged women, and there's an issue with brain bleeds. Oh, oh, that's kind of a big problem. Did you get the J&J? Oh, shouldn't have got the J&J. Should have got you another one. Yeah, the J&J. You could wake up with some blood on the pillow. Don't worry. Uh, you'll be all right. The good news is uh, if you get COVID, you probably won't die. Are you kidding me? This is the kind of stupidity politicians are going to make excuses for. That's why important we get new ones that will not make excuses for this kind of nonsense and failure. We have on the line my friend Stephanie Trussell, who is running for lieutenant governor. Congratulations, Stephanie. Thank you so much, Don. It is such a pleasure to talk to you. Yes, my friend, I am excited, and we're going to do something. We're going to change Illinois. I am so fired up. I am ready, and and I'm ready for this interview. I I know we're friends, so I'm 
I, I, um, I know it's going to be a great interview. And uh, this is well, I don't crazy think it is. with this. It, I know you're a tough guy, and that's what I love about you. <laughs> really quick, when you started calling in to, to Dan and Bruce, and you would call in regularly, and I yes. listening to your little segment or whatever they would give you, it, you were so fast, you were just so brilliant. And if somebody oh. accidentally called me when you were on, I was just like, like, why are you using my phone to call me? I'm listening to Sean just <laughs> break it down. So it's, you've come a long way, and you you earned everything. And it's I had so a, I, I had a really, I you know it's very, it's still shocking to me. I mean, I'm I'm loving loving this. Mm-hmm. This is fun for me. I would. You know, yeah. I, did, I did it from my car, and I'm. it's truly a dream, and yeah. I'm still blessed, and all the people, it, it's very flattering. I love it. And you did it for a while, and I'm wondering, yeah, yeah, seven while, years. You, seven while years. you were yeah. doing it, you took mm-hmm. political stances on all kinds of different issues. As you are now going to run for politics, which is a mm-hmm. fraudulent, corrupted, low-life industry, <laughs> are you at Tell all concerned? Are you at all concerned that some of the positions you took that were direct will come back and haunt you? Oh, I don't have to be concerned about that. We had a phenomenal launch in my little town in a coffee shop, Cafe de Moda, at 9 a.m. on Monday morning. By the time we got on the bus headed to Rockford, the trolls were out. They found all the footage or just found state, one statement in particular that I said, because in the summer of 2016, I won't be embarrassed. I was a never Trumper. I was kind of mean about Trump. I was a Ted Cruz supporter. As a lot of people, I was concerned about candidate Trump. My biggest issue was, is, was he a conservative? Was he serious? But in October of 2016, I jumped on the Trump train. I never looked back. I've been, a, I mean, just a, a loyal Trump supporter every since. Yeah. And so it didn't take long for them to dig up a couple of things. But you know what, John, you're a gritty guy from the western suburbs. I grew up on the west in the on the west side of Chicago. And being on the radio for seven years, I've been attacked for for almost everything. So I am ready. They will not um discourage me. I, I just know, you know, with them attacking me so quickly, I realize I must be over the target. I must be a threat. Well, and here's the other thing too. They 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 have a a, a monolithic ideology of Republicans as if People have to support somebody in every single position. I never supported aspects of Trumponomics. I never supported mm-hmm. Roger I Stone, who I, I to this to day, mm-hmm. believe, because I know about uh, Stone, Manafort, and Black, the lobbying firm that set this country on the tone to be where we are today of corruption. So I've never been an inner circle Trump person. Uh, I took the side of Trump when he was right as he governed and performed mm-hmm. and economically right. you know deregulated certain industries he he those are the things i loved about him i also criticize trump still do i don't run away from that right. but the idea that democrats think see because this is what they do otherwise how could you explain this 80 year old moron this dimwit who clearly is suffering from dementia and they just sit idly by because what they are are loyalists to the party of marxism of communism. You know, it's so interesting. Eight years of Obama, we never heard anyone criticize anything he did, no matter how bad it was. But, you know, I want to make sure we have a chance to talk about someone that we we all should be, um, uh, you know, uh, supporting someone. The trust that fund I baby? Hope people oh, no, no. Supporting. Oh, no. I thought, someone I thought you were going to talk about Pritzker. I want to talk about that necklace, son of a gun. You tell me when we're ready. Oh, my gosh. Well, go to Bailey for governor. I'm oh, sorry, Bailey for Illinois.com. He is running a, a, a wonderful campaign. He has assembled a phenomenal group of young people. I spent three days on a bus, 12 stops across central Illinois and southern Illinois, sh- shaking hands, listening to the p- 
people that are concerned because they feel unheard south of 80. It seems like everybody's focused well, on the Collar County and winning those areas. And these are people, Sean, that you, you know, Sean, that people are waiting for that last kid to graduate and then they head out of here. But these are people, third, fourth generation farmers or people that have these wonderful companies that they're running. They just can't pack up and leave. And Darren Bailey has showed them. He's the only one in Springfield that stood up to J.B. Prisker and said, you can't do that. And people are counting on him to make a difference and to make Illinois home again. All these colleges nearby are luring our children with these wonderful packages. Kids go to the University of Iowa. They love it. They stay there. They uh, raise their families there. We lose their yep. income, their wives' income, the future children. We need to make Illinois a place that people are not fleeing, that people want to stay. Before you sell your home, give Darren Bailey a chance. Well, that's not a bad model. I will say this, though. Um, the reality is the, the, the scheme of our voting in Illinois is so corrupted that Darren Bailey could run, could win all but two counties and still lose the race. Yeah. Is that not true? We've seen that happen in the past. You can win 90, it's 102 counties. You win 98, but, and, and, you know, we've been, I have people that people are honest with me. I love the fact that even though they know I'm team Bailey, they come up to me and give me their opinion. Some people and they'll say, Oh, how are you going to win the Collar counties? Or you can't, I know we can win the Collar counties. We can win Cook County because, I think it's one thing we all agree on, J.B. Pritzker is bad for our state. I'm thinking about all those kids in the class of 2020 that didn't get to have their senior year of sports. They didn't get to have their um, their prom. They didn't get to have their graduation and all these policies that were overreaching that hurt our state. How dare he decide that certain industries, certain jobs were not essential? He hurt a lot of good people. He shuttered a lot of businesses. And I know people are fed up with J.B. Prisker, and I, I listen to you enough to know your opinion of J.B. Pritzker. Oh, I please. But here's what I do. I always say this, and you know this. J.B. Pritzker is a couple in the mafia of Chicago. He's a family head. His family has been intertwined with the corruption of Illinois for the last 70 years, maybe 80. Right? He's in that position not because he can do anything. You're talking about a guy that needs an assistant to take a shower. This poor son of a gun is good for absolutely nothing. However, what he's good for is that the political mafia will turn out every municipal moron who wants that mystical, magical pension. All of the morons that want to just be part of the Madigan mafia and go to go to work at some phony baloney ghost job. So that's a big hill to climb. Not to mention you got all the Democrat welfare roaches. I don't know what the scheme is to beat them, but I wish you the best of luck. But aren't you concerned about Cook and, and now DuPage, which is solid blue? Don't say it's solid blue. I live here. I am fighting for the great county of DuPage, and this is what drew me to the suburbs, this area. I, I guess I did. Explain Sean Caston. And, Lauren, I don't live oh, in the no. state. I use my mommy oh, and daddy's address. And they're Congress-birthing persons. Don't get me started on Sean Caston. Obviously, you know, I live in his district. I, I refuse to look at his tweets because I get so angry at him. But you know what? We are, we, we are awakened. The East Coast has given us inspiration. I know there are good people in DuPage County that are concerned, that are worried about taxes, that are worried about all these other issues that are plaguing Illinois. We're sick of the same elite politicians that are out of touch with the real problems of the good, hardworking people of Illinois. And there are so many people that have already fled. There, I, I reached out to a woman the other day. I used to see her at every event. And I said, hey, I haven't seen you lately. She's like, oh, I've been in Naples for two years. And I'm thinking, it's so sad that all these wonderful states are, are gaining our wonderful conservatives or our wonderful, hardworking people. But I'm telling everyone, just wait. Don't put the for sale sign out with the graduation sign yet. 
Huh? Darren Bailey's so, going to turn this state around. He is determined, and I know we can win the Collar Counties. There's no question. So, how, so let me to... ask you this. The way that Pritzker is in office is because he misappropriates federal money for COVID to pay off old mm-hmm. debts. He has the money bundlers in his pocket. What's Darren Bailey going to do economically different from this necklace wonder who smells like beef and cheese? Okay, Sean's words, not mine. Let's just make sure that that um, no one confuses the two. Well, you know, everyone that has been around since this COVID thing has happened, we know that Darren Bailey's the only name that has stood up to J.B. Pritzker. He stood up and said, you can't do that. Other states didn't shut down. Other states didn't do the drastic measures, didn't go to the drastic measures he did, which affected our economy. And like you said, Sean, if it wasn't for that federal bailout, we would really be hurting and unfortunately didn't um, use the money properly. And and I would love for somebody to do a deep research on deep dive on how many people got rich off of this COVID thing. But the main thing that what he's, what Darren Bailey is promising a zero based budget that freezes spending with no tax increases. And I think we've heard that a lot from a lot of um, politicians or candidates, but I know Darren Bailey, he's a man of principle and he doesn't say anything unless he's really going to do it. He wants every department to have to justify every cent of their funding and stop with this whole automatically spending tax dollars without any kind of consideration. And it's just what we do is kind of the Illinois way. Uh, I just encourage everyone. I know we've got a lot of people. It's a crowded ticket. A lot of people want to be the next Republican governor of the great state of Illinois. But when you, when I've just spent three days on the bus with some amazing people getting energized by the movement that Bailey has started, he is the real thing. He and his wife are, um, you know, as I said, I think he's third generation farmer. Both all three of his sons work on the farm. Yeah, I've interviewed him. I've interviewed him. He cool. seems like a wonderful guy. But does he have an innovative, an innovative idea with the uh, taking advantage of Illinois' rich energy policies or, that have been squashed under the weight of Pritzker? For instance, we have fourteen nuclear uh, reactors. Has he has he explored the idea of maybe? I don't know, turning them on? Or how about the fact that we're a coal-producing state? At one time, Illinois produced oil. Does he have a platform that's different than uh, the, the, the charity welfare structure that Pritzker is running the state on? Darren Bailey is committed to making Illinois a place where businesses will come and, and won't be afraid to start because of regulation. He understands the resources in Illinois. Again, I grew up in Chicago, north of 80, and didn't realize this whole state. There's a, you know, we go through the state as we're driving to vacation. But these last three days that I spent, uh, you know, touring the state, he understands because he gets it what Illinois is all about, and he has all the uh, the the plans in place. And and I I don't know everything by heart, but obviously I'm just going by what his character, what he has planned, what I have learned. He has everything in place. He has the right people behind the scenes as well, working so hard to get this done. I am 100 percent confident that that he can get it done because I'm just I'm telling you just from learning and and, and experiencing. And I, I honestly tell you, when I got on that bus after I gave my announcement on Monday, I thought, oh, how am I going to do this 11 more times? How am I going to the stamina to do this? But every stop, when you hug someone or shake a hand and they're telling you their stories, and you just, your, your batteries are recharged. And when there was one particular stop, this gentleman, he's wearing overalls, a complete denim overalls. 
Um, he had a full white beard, and I'm thinking, oh, this is a farmer. I want to hear what he has to say. He had retired from the Chicago Police Department after 27 years, got far away from as, as Chicago as possible, living, didn't flee the state, which is great. And just hearing their stories, and he understood what we were talking about, what's happening in the city now. We have to address what's happening with the crime. I don't know the last time that J.B. Pritzker has come out and said anything about the children that are being shot. And just basically, you know what's happening on Michigan Avenue. It used to be a time when you were downtown Chicago in the daytime. You yeah. had nothing to fear. It's unrest. It's just unruliness. And this is something that Darren Bailey is certainly focused on. That's one of the main issues in his platform. You've got a couple of uh, opponents, one of whom mm-hmm. is financed from Silicon Valley. He uh, apparently was from Illinois. He's running under the Mitt Romney without the idea he's going to be Jesus on the next planet. He's got all of the 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 kind of glazed over. I'm a kinder, gentler, middle of the road Lincoln Republican. It looks like you're going to have big money from uh, the guy from Citadel that's going to fund the moron in Aurora who's been nothing but a liar and a fraud. He's a Democrat who's going to run as a Republican. Are you concerned about these stalking horse Republicans who are going to be very financed? Just the two guys I mentioned have ten times the money our access to through out-of-state campaign contributors. Ken Griffin was the name I was thinking of. And and Ken Griffin, who's going to sponsor the, 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 the Morphodite from Aurora, he's got an entire team. They're going to funnel $300 million into the state. Are you concerned about the money aspect? Oh, not at all. I am so confident that we have the right ground game. We have the right team in place to get our signatures in January to make sure our petitions are in. And um, I, I we can't even, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that we've got such a wide range of people that actually are, are running. But uh, we're Republicans. We're not running some, you know, we're going to get you a name calling. I, we're not focused on anyone else. We're just focusing on the energy and what people are telling us about our campaign. And we know we're doing the right thing. I, he's been winning straw polls. He's been raising money. And they may come in with a big bag of money, but they don't have what we have. That's a movement. I'm not worried at all. But we will be working. We know the, the goal is June, and we have to win the primary. And then the day after the primary, we are ready for the big battle, and that's to take on J.B. Pritzker. So when is the first debate? Do you have any uh, information as to what the process is going to look like? Because there is a crowded field. And uh, I'm curious to know when the debates happen, and uh, will there be a debate with you and other lieutenant governors? Is this uh, – I mean, we're underway, right? It's June is the end of the primary. Right. And then mm-hmm. um, you've got, what, nine months? Or no, when's the, the, yeah, the a, formal elections in 23? In, uh, it will be in November. Oh, so, it is November. I, you know, I'm not, I don't believe that um, the lieutenant governors, as far as the primary, I don't believe we'll be debating each other. That would be interesting. I actually know one of the uh, other lieutenant governor picks quite well. I had her on my show, and she's a great woman. And I hope that the Republicans take the high road and we don't do some dirty mudslinging type of primary because it only gives the Democrat more ammunition for the general. Our, we all have one common goal. That is to fire J.B. Pritzker. And so uh, this is a very exciting time. I think this is the best time in Illinois to be a Republican outside of Lincoln's time. It's, it's time to remind people this is the land of Lincoln and not the t- land of leaving. And so whatever is coming our way, I know we can take it. I I got to see it in action. I got to see how fast this team puts together um, strategy. And so we can't focus on any way. One else, we're just looking ahead. 
and just feeding off the energy of all the people that are just uh, really supporting this campaign. Well, tell Darren, you know, I'd like to give him a platform. I have some questions. I want to make sure he's not going to be okay. a Bruce Rounier Republican. Oh. <laughs> and I definitely want him to run against these mm-hmm. other who I think are complete and utter frauds. Um, whether it's the middle-of-the-road new Lincoln Republican, uh, Mitt Romney wannabe, or it's the buffoon from Aurora who's got Ken Griffin's wallet in his pocket. I think this is important that you do, in fact, want to get into specificity. So you tell Darren, you know, if he wants some help, I'd love to give him through the debate process. I'll help all I can. But I also want Raybine there because right now those are my two favorite guys. And uh, I wish the best. And I want one of those two guys to be the nominee and, uh, you know, see what happens. But I wish you the best of luck. I'm glad to see you're going into politics. Good for you. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing how it turns out for you. Well, you know what, Sean? Thank you very much for the invitation. I will let Darren know that he's welcome to come on your show. I just want to remind the listeners that he runs a very good Facebook page with all our events. Go to baileyforillinois.com. Everything's there. I hope I get an opportunity to meet people during the tour. But, it's, again, thank you, Sean. Uh, Merry Christmas, and um, I hope to talk to you soon. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you very soon. Take care. Good luck. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. We'll be back with your calls and comments. I'll sue ya. I'll take all your money. I'll sue ya. If you <laughs> even look at me funny. I'll sue ya. I'll take all you your money. Rock, huh? I'll sue ya. If you um, look at me funny. I'll sue ya. <laughs> maybe sometimes I'm, I'm too pessimistic because I s- lived in Cook County. I had friends. Felt the same way we did about issues. But every time there was an election, they stepped and they fetched for the Democrats' scum because they wanted to grease their own pockets. I think that social, socialism in Chicago, specifically Cook County, is so corrupted. People are so victimized by it. The only way they see a way to live is to be in on the scam. So I think Cook County... And now DuPage, from this last election where you put in this imbecile, low-life roach, Sean Caston, and then the girl that makes him look qualified, uh, Underwood. That was, the, that was it. For me, I said, ah, done, over with, move on, move out. But I'd like to be wrong. I mean, after all, I still have family and friends. I still have investments there. Uh, I'm just not optimistic. Michael on the south side. Hi, Sean. How's it going? Good, buddy. Uh, I, you know what? I love Stephanie Trussell to death. She is one of my heroes because she is a, a strong, proud black woman, unafraid to speak the truth to power. But uh, I, I agree with you. I'm just not feeling uh, their campaign. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. The uh, Right now, you got people in Chicago addicted to the government cheese that um, they're going to vote for the Democrats. You know, you know, Michael, when I lived when I lived there, I worked there every day. I went down to the city every day. I became friends with people of all cultures, of everything. And we would talk, and they would feel the exact same way I did about very important issues, very important issues. When push came to shove, they voted for the aldermen that, vote, that promised them the most free cheese. They just did. And that's how you could look at that county, Cook, and realize there aren't even pockets anymore that haven't been infiltrated by the Democrat mafia corruption. Even the Republican areas cozy up to the Democrats because they know without that friendship, without that camaraderie, they're not going to get the free cheese from the federal government. So I, I, I just think it's, it's successfully been toppled in the same way these European countries have bowed into the socialist mafias.
And uh, I want to be wrong, Michael, but I don't think I am. And you live there every day. And I'm sure you know people that think the way we do about very specific issues. But when push comes to shove, how do they vote? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, privately, there are a lot of people on the South Side who uh, have issues with the uh, local Democrats. But at the end of the day, you know, they uh, they fall in line. But there's, there's another point I think is worth mentioning, Sean. Yeah. At what point do the people downstate realize that they are effectively disenfranchised? I think that they do. And I think Stephanie's right. You know, Michael, it takes a lot to move. It takes a lot of turmoil. And a lot of effort. And you're talking about people that have been there for 80 years, three generations, two generations, farms. When you look at selling, the taxes you expose yourself to, when you look, you know, at a certain point, people just become overwhelmed. And it's easier to take the atrocity than stand up and push back against it. And that is the psychological uh, overtake that socialism has on people and corruption. They just, they get so beaten down by it they don't want to make themselves uncomfortable i mean this is this is not a conversation illinois specifically has not been having for the last 40 years that i'm aware of you know and then the other thing to remember michael who does the most damage to uh policies is a toss-up in illinois never forget jim thompson is the one that signed what's bankrupting illinois the three percent cola compounded yearly was signed by jim thompson a lawyer, one of the the best law firms in Illinois, when asked about why he did that, he said he didn't know how compound interest worked. You also have uh, Ogilvy put in the t- the toll system, which was a nickel, it was supposed to be gone in a year. Now look at it. These are Republicans. You have Bruce Rauner, policies that are cancer to the economics of Illinois. He didn't do any good for Illinois. What did it, what did Bruce Rauner do that was good? Can anybody, a Republican out there, name me one thing? One. So that's the pickle you're in, brother. But I appreciate you calling. I appreciate you listening. You know that. Thank you very much, Michael. By the way, don't forget you can call back for Friday Features with me. Mike in Lakeview. Hello. Hi, Mike. John? Yes. Uh, I, I, like the other guy, I love Stephanie, too. But you know what? If you think any Republican is going to beat Pritzker, you got a better chance of meeting Jesus. I'll give you the over-under that he gets about 58% right now. That's A number one. A number two is... Ken Griffin can throw $3 billion into the thing, and nobody's going to win. And the other you want thing to know what would be that, interesting, Mike? And I'm dead serious about this. If Ken Griffin ran, why put up money for somebody? I'm dead serious. Here, I built a company from nothing. Ken Griffin's a regular guy that had a great idea and made money from nothing. He's one of the richest guys. I'd like to see Ken Griffin run for governor. I really would, and I don't agree with him on a lot of stuff. But at least he's doing it himself. I don't like this just funding money. You hire these consultants. They're ma- it's all a it's all a freaking scam. If Ken Griffin wants to impress people, and if he really wants the Illinois to change around, he'd pull his big boy pants up and he'd run himself. Otherwise, just do the smart thing. Get the hell out of there. One or the other. They used to call it S or get off the pot, but you know I know it's a stream, but they they keep saying good habits. Michael, you know, I, or Mike, I appreciate the call very much. I still have to go to commercial break. I think we're still going to do Friday features with me. I have interesting picks. I got a lot of clips that I wanted to get to, but we need a longer show. All right, movies, Misty's yelling movies. All right, movies. Friday features with me after this. <laughs> Friday features with me, even though the music didn't play. 
Uh, we only got one caller on the line. All right, well, hang on. I'm going to give you mine anyway. We're going to do it anyway. I watched The Unforgivable uh, on Netflix with Sandra Bullock. I confess I have a Sandra Bullock little thing. I got to admit it. I love her. Not a stitch of makeup on. She plays it as an ex-convict. I thought it was good. I liked it a lot. Uh, very interesting. I, I recommend it. And I also, for documentary, Mr. Saturday Night on Prime. Highly, highly recommend it. It's the story of the guy that uh, really not only uh, started Saturday Night Fever, was the, was the brainchild behind Saturday Night Field, uh, Fever, but what a life this guy had. He was a producer and an agent for groups in the U.K. Then he came over to America. One, I, I tell you what, I thought it was a very good story. I recommend both of those to you. But now it's your time to give me a movie and a documentary. Now, we only got one caller on the line. So if you want to call, now's the time. 312-642-5600. Kevin in Austin, Texas. You're my one caller, bud. Hey, Sean. All right. Well, we got time to talk then. Okay. Uh, Darkest Hour with Gary Oldman. It's about uh, Winston Churchill when he became uh, prime minister when Kirk was going on, right before the beginning of the German uh, invasion. And, you know, I watched, really I watched that, then I watched Dunkirk. And I thought that was the right way to do it. And when Gary Oldman is on the train with the regular people, um, I loved it. It's one of my favorite movies. It truly is a fantastic movie, and I, uh, I think everybody should watch it. And you see how we just had the right guy for the right time. Did we hang up on Kevin? I didn't touch a button. I think Kevin hung up on us. All right, he was over. Done. I started talking. He hung up. All right, Tom in Blue Island. All right, buddy, round two. Yeah. Uh, 1996, a Nick Nolte movie called Mother Night. Uh, it's based on a Kurt Vonnegut novel. Nolte plays an American playwright living in Germany after World War One, And as World War Two is beginning, he is enlisted to be a double agent. And he works as a propagandist for the German army against the Jews. Uh, really? Incredible movie. Incredible movie. I am a, and, uh, I am I don't a wanna... huge fan of Nick Nolte. He was in Rich Man, Poor Man, wasn't he? Yeah. And I, I happened see. upon it years ago, and I had missed the very beginning, and then I would watch the rest. Just in, and so he had, he's... Ironically enough, if you're able to catch it, he is like a radio talk show host, but he's in Germany and, um, you know, a lot of anti-Semitic stuff. Yeah, a lot of anti-Semitic stuff, a lot of anti-American stuff. And there's a, without giving the movie away, there's a scene at the end because the, the U.S. government refuses to acknowledge who he was because... He was kind of, as he was giving, so just like your talk show, as he was, um, you know, having a, a narrative or whatever, he would give little little words out during it that were code for the American government. Wow. And um, anyway, towards the end of it, uh, he's found out, and uh, he's interrogated by a German who says to him, he goes, you know what? Even if you were a double agent and you were working for the United States, he goes, you did more for us than you could ever do for them. And I, I don't want to give the ending away. No, 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 don't give it away. Movie. I'm going to watch it this weekend. So yeah. the other, it was only a month ago 
I was uh, delayed in the airport, and I started to watch something that I didn't know he was in. It was called The Padre. I'm telling you, everything he's in, he makes. I'm a big, big, big fan. So what else? You got a documentary yeah, at all? Yeah, it's, it's called West of Memphis. Uh, me and my Misty uh, saw this eight, ten years ago, and it's a uh, documentary on what was called the West Memphis Three, who were these three teenagers who were uh, run over by some local bureaucrats, some local uh, police bureaucrats, and blamed for killing this kid uh, with all these kind of satanic rituals and stuff, which ended up all being BS, and it was the goofball that lived in the trailer across the way that they knew all along pretty well right. but these three kids these three kids had like 20 years in jail and stuff so it was, right. that was i love it but bad. tom you do so, realize um misty and i are not married she's just my producer who gets aggravated with me when no, I, I have anything. a misty oh all right you have your own I producer? Have a misty at home right. no oh, she's, oh. she's not a producer she's an irish irish pain in the you know what yeah yeah all right <laughs> she's a ruiner all right thank you very much tom Appreciate the call very much. Michael on the south side. I was confused by his mystery. Hi. Hi, how are you? Hi, Sean. Uh, good to talk to you again. Yeah, yeah, we love it. Two times on Friday. I know. Thank you. Thanks this was always my call. goal when I was single, only it was cheerleaders, not callers, but I'll do it if I can. All right, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the movie I have is Inception. Was it good? Okay, so listen, I got to tell you, I tried it for about 20 minutes. I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, but I was taking phone calls. I wasn't paying attention. So you're saying give it another chance because I'm going to tell you, I love that kid. I do. I love the kid that's in it. I, I, I really do. What's his name? The kid that all the women love. Leonardo DiCaprio. That's it. Did you see Jeff Bezos' wife when she met Leonardo DiCaprio? Did you happen to catch that clip on TMZ? Uh, no. What happened? Oh, do yourself a favor and Google Jeff Bezos' wife, Leonardo DiCaprio. It's great. It's great. You know, she's Are you talking the, about she, the new one? Or, the, the, the new, new one, the one the... he left his wife for. He left his wife for, for the, 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 the hot second wife. When she saw Leonardo DiCaprio, she didn't even know Bezos' name. It was great. Great. Put Bezos right in the richest man, second richest man. He was nothing. He was like a little nerd waiting for his girlfriend to get done talking to the football quarterback. It was great. You have to see it to enjoy it. Oh, wait. Thank you for the tip. Uh, but I, I have something else for you, too, that might be up your alley. Go ahead. Uh, Netflix uh, has a uh, docu... It's got, they call it a docu... Um, a miniseries docudrama called The Men Who Built America. Oh. It originally ran... I, I, on History Channel. I love it, bro. I, I yeah. saw it years ago. One of my favorite episodes... Well, there's so many of them. They're all my favorite episodes. But uh, Vanderbilt... And the, and the kind of guts that that guy had. And ironically, how many politicians tried to put the Commodore out of business, how to regulate him out of business, how to short sell his stock, and then try to regulate him out of business. It's, it's everyone should watch it. The men that built America, it's absolutely fantastic. Michael, I am so glad you brought that up. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Anytime. Dave in Batavia. Hey, Sean, how are you? Thanks for taking my call, sir. Oh, thanks for calling. I appreciate that very I'm a, much. I'm a first-time caller, and I'm a huge fan. I listen to you all the time. Oh, it means the world to me. Really, thank you. I'm, I'm still astonished that uh, I love the show. I love doing it, and I, I couldn't do it without people liking it. So thank you very much. I'm very, I'm indebted to you. 
Oh, no, we're indebted to you, too. It's a two-way street, my friend. Thank you, thank you. So my movie for you is Contagion. Matt Damon, Lauren Fishburne, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kate Winslet. Oh, great movie. Saw it. It's a it, few it, years old, right? It is a few years old, but if you watch it, it's today. you will swear that it's a roadmap for what we're going through right now. I mean, you know, it's that's far when worse. En- that's when I could enjoy Matt Damon. I mean, I I have a lot of respect for him. And uh, when he started talking politics, I'm like, are you kidding me? This kid. That's for all all of them, brother. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? Absolutely all of them. Yep. But, you know, it it shows how much worse this could bloody be. But it's like they watched it and they created COVID-19. I'll tell you, you want to see how worse it could be. Take a look at what's going on in Australia. It's unbelievable. I go on Sky News a lot. Take a look at what happened in Australia. It is truly uh, unbelievable. It's what happens when you give up your Second Amendment rights, brother. I couldn't agree more with you. Listen, thank you very much, Dave. I so appreciate you. How about a documentary? You got one of those? I do. Uh, Dr. Death, the original Dr. Death. The original uh, it was uh, made into a blog. It's about a spine surgeon out west who like, is killing people through to incompetence and drug use and just how hard it was to get that son of a gun. Really? Say that again. I want to write it down. It's called Dr. Death. Okay. All right, very good. Listen, I thank you so much, and, and listen, I appreciate you making the effort to call. I really do. Thank you oh, so my, much. P- my pleasure. Like I said, first time caller, and I hope you have a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year to you and yours. You too, Dave. Thank you very much. All right, I'm going to go to a, a break. We're going to take the rest of your calls if you care to participate in the show. It's 312. 312- 642-5600, right after this. So, you know, we've been um, on stream for two hours. We had a guest. We've got a lot of people that are listening, a lot of people that are watching the stream. I'm very, 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 very flattered. Really, love it. And uh, I think the reason is, is because people inherently realize the kind of failure and fraud we're dealing with in government. I think that every... Really, and I mean this, all but this station, as far as I'm concerned, are taking the side of the people who do not want to have the slave mindset of the sheep that are following around frauds. I truly believe that. When you hear the kind of bald-faced lies, misinformation, mind control, sabotage, psychological warfare that's being implemented on the American citizens... It's nice when you hear a politician stick up for you as well. I have to tell you, um, this Blackburn in Tennessee, I like this lady a lot. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and uh, congratulations to you all on your nominations. I know that you were in the room during our first series of hearings, and I'm sure you um, were aware of my conversation with Judge Nathan and how It is something, and I just saw it with you, Professor, trying to skirt the issue and not giving an opinion and not having a judicial philosophy and feeling that laws apply in one place but not in others, in the pick and choose. That's frustrating to Tennesseans. And uh, they really are not appreciative of that type subjectiveness that they are seeing from some of the judicial nominees that are being put forward by this administration. And we hear a good bit about that. 
Um, so, Ms. Kastner, let me come to you. Uh, does the Second Amendment protect an individual's right to keep and bear arms? Yes or no? Thank you, Senator. Um, our Supreme Court has recognized that right. Okay. Do you agree with the Supreme Court that the Second Amendment is a fundamental right? Thank you, Senator. If I was fortunate enough to be confirmed, I would be duty-bound to apply the Heller decision. Okay. Did you attend a March for Our Lives event in March of 2018? Uh, I, I'm not sure if I attended. I believe so, Senator. Yeah, I think you attended. I like the idea that we have politicians like this calling out these bureaucrats scum, these Marxist mafia that diapers Biden and the rest of the mafia members are trying to stick in bureaucracies and judgeships and all throughout our government. I like the fact that this week they had to walk away from paying off illegal aliens $450,000 for ignoring our laws and then getting bribed to do so. We had a really good week. We had a really good week. Not to mention we temporarily, temporarily held off the bring Bolsheviks bankruptcy bill back. This is a good week for us. I want us to focus on the fact that it's through the knowledge of you, through the awareness of you, that we had these achievements and politicians that are hearing you, like Marsha Blackburn. There are states out there that are not as corrupted as Illinois, as New York, New Jersey, California. The ones where the Marxist mafia is not in control. We have opportunity. It's not as bad as it seems. We can still push back. As long as we have politicians that are willing to call out the bald-faced liars that make up the Marxist mafia, calling themselves Democrats, that are taking advantage of this dimwit dementia patient in diapers that's destroying our country. There's some good news here. But all kidding aside, of course, President Harris is a proud Howard alum. She should be the president. We should remove him with the 25th Amendment, put the most unlikable woman next to Hillary Clinton in the office, and guarantee we win this country back. Because even the Marxist sheep can't stand these people. These particular people and the idea of what this country will be if they're in charge. We're a year into it. We can push back. We had a big, big week. Let's have the rest of the year. Big, big, big. I'm certain you attended. And do you support that organization's position opposing the Supreme Court's decision in District of Columbia versus Heller? Uh, Senator, that was an event I attended as a private citizen. You lying roach. You're like the rest of them. And as for this pickle face. But you got to follow what's going on. If the counts keep going up and the, and the test positivity keeps going up, we may need to be more restrictive. I dare you. I dare you to be more restrictive. See what happens. You'll have a, you'll have a separation of, and people will recognize you for the fascist fraud you are. And the word Democrat will be what it should be. Something you never want to say out loud. It should be synonymous with communism, with Marxism, because that's what you people really are. Stay true. Fight for liberty. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.